Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is an extra edition of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, along with Pratt Rogers. And we are going to be talking about the LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals. I actually made a white shirt, yellow um, britches joke yesterday to Dalen Flowers, and he completely did not get it. And it is weird. But how you doing, Pratt? Good. I get the joke. I won't repeat it on the show. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was funny. I told the joke, and he was like, I think we're, think we're probably wearing red. And I was like, okay, that went over your head, buddy. That, well, that you know, at least he didn't just blurt it out. I, you know, this is a probably yeah. a family podcast. Probably be- better alternative than blurting that out. You know, um, I, I am several probably decades older than you. Um, but whenever I was a kid, I remember this game because it was always around Halloween. And that's the tradition of this game is always kind of being a Halloween game. And you would hear things like the purple people eaters getting played on the radio talking about this football game. And, and it meant a lot because back in the day, like in the late 50s, early 60s, this was the Tennessee, Florida of that era. Uh, th- this was that game. And it's special to me in a way that young people probably can't understand. Now, I remember the Halloween games. Uh, and, you know, that pivotal part in the season is kind of your make or break. You know, that's a crucial point in the season. Of, you know, all of September, you're usually playing some scrub teams in the beginning. And, you know, October SEC play kicks up. By the end of October, you're pretty deep in the schedule and, you know, you know what you have as a team or you're fighting to know what you have as a team. And that LSU Halloween game, uh, you know, sometimes involves some extracurriculars that came with Halloween and overconsumption. But it was just – that was that was the deal, man. I remember that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had um, Stuart Stevens on the show and he comes on – I have him on because he was actually at the 1959 – Billy Cannon punt return game. And he can actually tell stories about that happened in that game and talked about how that was on Halloween night and everybody came to the football game in costume. And it was just a fun night. But now granted, it was a seven to three football game. So it couldn't have been that good. But I imagine that the mystique around this game and that game and all of the, it, the LSU games just special, man. It's my favorite game of the year. Yeah, never met Billy Cannon, you know, but the legend lives on of of that punt return. I wasn't alive, obviously, during that time frame, but that is absolutely something that lives in. If you would have been, it would have been a nice the nightmare. Trip. Yeah, it lives in the nightmare of Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss faithful. Yeah, this game, you know, we're not going to um, spend any time on the Alabama game because we're through that. We've passed that. But I just do want to say the season's not over. It's a weird situation. People are acting like a loss to Alabama in Tuscaloosa is the equivalent of losing to Auburn or Jacksonville State or South Alabama or Tulane. It is the weirdest reaction to that game from the fan base. And I don't understand it. Now, I get the fact that we were going to win the game um, and we were in a position to where we should have done better than we did. And the expectations of people got to that point. I get that. 
but if you can't sit back and say, okay, we got beat 24 to 10 by Alabama five years ago, we got beat 66 to seven. If you don't have that perspective, I can't help you. That was a loaded topic there, Stephen. But first off, I want to point out you're bold to even bring up the term Jacksonville State on this show. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people probably want to tune out immediately hearing that word. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think the sentiment is just disappointment. I had lunch with a friend today and just said, look, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. It's kind of that speech you get from your dad when you mess up in high school, son, I'm just disappointed. And that's how I feel about Ole Miss football right now. I'm just disappointed and know we can do better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think we came out sharp. I didn't think we had a great game plan. And had we lost playing our best football, I think that would be a completely different story. Like I said, I know we won't dive into, you know, the minutia of the game today. But from a macro perspective, just disappointing. Didn't play great football. Simple as that. Yeah, it's not a situation. It's a weird thing in a game in Tuscaloosa. It's not that Alabama beat Ole Miss. It's that Ole Miss couldn't beat Alabama. That That's probably the way that that game needs to be taken because Alabama was – they were absolutely beatable. And LSU's beatable, honestly. If you look at their defense, I started going into it. In today's video on keys, I started to talk about, hey – Ole Miss needs to develop a quick passing game, which they can. It's in the bones of the offense because this front seven is really good, and you need to comp- compete, um, combat what they do well. And they, if you let them, they can get after you. And if Ole Miss is waiting two and a half seconds to throw a ball down the field on a third-level RPO, that is problematic for an offensive line that is run-blocking. We also think that Ole Miss needs to win third down. And we also think – I think that Spencer Sanders needs to get some snaps. Not that Jackson's not the guy. Jackson's the quarterback, and everything's good there. But I want some hits to happen in the quarterback run game that has to happen and some of those hits to go on to Spencer Sanders. And So So I – yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Stephen. Yeah, that is the only way – I foresee getting the run game really going at this point. I mean, Jackson Dart's had success running the football, uh, especially the two-lane game. Uh, Judkins, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to be himself. I don't know if it's the offensive line. I don't know if he's banged up. I don't think anybody really knows. I'm sure that's been mentioned ad nauseum. But, look, I'm all for adding a new wrinkle because this offense just desperately needs some sort of run orientation and an identity in that. And right now we just don't have that. And Dart's doing a good job, but, I mean, we didn't really feed Bentley at all in the Bama game. What, one carry, three yards? That's just – but what's kind of the next step is my question, Stephen. Yeah, and, uh, and I think I think Ole Miss is in desperate need of a quick passing game. And I, I'm not even going to say over-the-middle type stuff because everybody knows that Ole Miss is not throwing across the middle of the field. Ole Miss needs a quick game to where they can get the ball out of Jackson's hand in a hurry and let receivers kind of run. And this is completely new. So you want to catch LSU completely off guard? Throw a slant pattern. And Zachary Franklin is a slant machine. Trey Harris is a middle-of-the-field monster, ball winner. Caden Prescorn is a monster. Use them in the quick passing game through pop passes, bubbles, slants, hitches. Those type routes, which when Matt Corral was at Ole Miss, was a staple of the offense, bring those back, use them, and that will open it up because the linebacker all of a sudden can't worry about 
the inside zone play, every single play. I think our offense has gotten too predictable and almost too much hero ball, if that makes any sense. Kyle, you mentioned bubble screens. I mean, long gone, it feels like, are the days where we would just toss a bubble to Laquan Treadwell and just watch him do his thing for 15 yards and just do it all over the field. Same with AJ. I mean, it just – I don't know where that's gone. Maybe we don't have that dude at receiver anymore that, that can really – break the initial tackle, you know, tack on 10 yards and move on to the next play. Maybe we just don't have that. I'm not sure. I think we do. Yeah. But. All we need is four yards. We don't need a 15-yard catch. Just stay on schedule just to make the linebackers think about it. And they're just not able to do it right now. And this offense has a chance to be so dynamic. They just won't do it. They won't actually play the full spectrum of offense because I think they are playing this hero ball a little bit. And they kind of get locked in on these second and third level RPOs and kind of being cute with the protections and things that goes on. And sometimes you just have to play football. That's an interesting kind of way to look at that. I haven't seen that. I'm not doubting that, but I haven't felt that as much. But, I mean, something's got to change. I'm I'm not against that mindset, honestly, Stephen. It's just – Something has to change, and, you know, you mentioned getting in rhythm. We we have had zero tempo. We've had zero tempo, zero rhythm, uh, zero sort of progress to build off of off of a drive. You know, you go uh, – if, if you, you know, get a first down or two and, you know, you have to punt, well, maybe next time you get two or three first downs and maybe that leads to a field goal. We, we've had none of that this season. It's – kind of been your one drive, bang, 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 and score, and or where it's three and out, three incompletions, or three run plays, and just kind of got a punt. And that's kind of what I've felt the entire season. It almost feels like a, a lack of synergy. Yeah, you, you have a situation. Everybody's going to talk about the offensive line and how they need to get going in front. Well, you have to help those guys out. Don't ask them to every play, block four and five stars like Alabama and what LSU is going to have. Block those guys for three seconds so Jackson <coughs> Dart can make a read 25 yards downfield. You need something quick. We need swing passes. We need pop passes. We need um, hitches. We need, like I said, bubbles. Those type situations will get the LSU linebackers moving side to side rapidly because this offense is best when it tortures linebackers, they're not torturing linebackers right now. We're torturing oh. our fan base, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> right now, those linebackers can go straight down and take away the inside zone point because you don't have to worry about a pass in the middle of the field. You don't have to worry about anything really outside, and all the passes are going to be outside the numbers. And well, let me ask it, It's just a bad situation. Yeah, let me ask you this. You mentioned uh, – can't necessarily blame the offensive line for that. You know, Prescorn was back this game, and that's kind of been the additional blocking facet that we were all excited about going into the Bama game, and he'll play LSU, obviously. Mm-hmm. What is what, what is kind of your rationale on where the mistakes are lying if it's not with the offensive line? In my theory, okay, most of what we do is an RPO offense, which means the offensive line is run blocking every single play. They're just doing that. And it's hard to pass block 
whenever they realize that it's a pass, whenever it's determined that the P part of the RPO is happening, the defensive line can shed your block fairly easily. It needs to be quicker. Ole Miss is holding on to the football too long. Um, it's not even about pre-snap reads or anything like that. I think it's about Ole Miss getting a little bit cute on their play calls. And if they could just play football or even just do away and not do RPOs so much, instead of being 85 to 90% RPO, all of a sudden your offense is 50% RPO. And on some plays, it's just a pass play where you're doing a normal pass set. And some plays you're doing just a run play. I, I think if that happens, the defense still has more stuff that they have to think about. Right now in an RPO situation, they can force Ole Miss to do, if they know what the read is, to how to do whatever they want to do. The way to look at that is the way to look at that is, hey, the defense is kind of determining your next play. Yeah. I mean, you're allowing the defense to say, hey, if we've got and you know, they're eight getting, men in the box where we're, you know, this may lead itself and the protection lends itself to force dart to throw is kind of the opposite way to look at that, you know? And, and, and the thing about it is, and, and the way, and, and I always talk about Madden, okay? And teams are kind of playing engage eight against Ole Miss and just kind of free flowing going forward, especially the teams with lesser talent than, say, Alabama does. Because they know that they're not, we're not going to throw something really, really quick. It's going to be a two and a half second drop back and do all that. And people have time to get home. It turns into a fire drill because they break through and everybody's talking about the offensive line. Well, I don't think it's the offensive line. I think it's the scheme. And it can be fixed. This is the, there's stuff in our offense that Lane Kiffin developed way back in the NFL and at USC from Norm Chow. There is fundamentally sound football in there. I just think whenever they're doing these second and third level RPOs, it gets in trouble. And all of a sudden, first and 10 becomes second and 10 and becomes, and then it's a third and 10. And you're not going to have success completing many third and 10s in this league. You're just not. I think Ole Miss needs to stay ahead of the chains. They need to throw slants, hitches, pops, and bubbles and mix that in with the deeper throws instead of those second and third level RPOs being 60% of the offense, drop it down to 30% and um, fill those up with slants, hitches and bubbles and things like that. And all of a sudden the offense is going to look much more very. It's going to look a whole lot more like what Matt Corral ran in 2020 and 2021. And you're going to see a situation to where Quinshawn and everybody can get going because now all of a sudden those linebackers don't know what's coming. Because I think there's a big problem right now because if you play that way, there's no way we can hurt you because the pass is too deep downfield or um, they get home. You need something pretty quick to where if they come inside and blitz everybody and they free free flow down, all of a sudden Priest Corn's right behind them. They're worried about getting beat behind them. And I, I think that would legitimately help this offense, and that's something this offense can do. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, the the pop pass mentality. I feel like we're kind of coming on strong that we haven't done that. I have seen – I will give uh, Kiffin and Charlie Weiss a little bit of credit. I feel like they've been trying to get more creative over the last few games um, based on just trying to feed Bentley or Judkins like short wheel routes out of the backfield, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, and utilize them more in the receiving portion of the game. 
Um, so, it, and I think we've had semi-success doing that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm echoing your thought process of why would we not continue to do that with some of our big playmakers on the outside? Yeah. And you need to take a, to figure out a way through these pop passes and these quick passes, you'll be able to take advantage of a Harold Perkins who is, who they want to blitz a lot. You know, he's coming. He is going to be on the outside. He's going, he's somewhere he is coming. He is their version of Suntarian Perkins. You need to figure out how to take advantage of him. And when he is coming, you do not have long to throw the football. So you need to get it out of your hand. And the way you do that is through those slants and, th and through things like that. Zachary Franklin, I think, has a chance to have a massive day against LSU. This is a perfect ready-made game for him. Caden Priestcorn, same situation. I do not expect Trey Harris, although I think he's going to play because he's a down-the-field guy. You're, he's the one you throw the back shoulders to. Yeah, and look, I I think the, I think we both agreed uh, before the Alabama game that we felt as if it's a lot to ask for these receivers to come in and immediately make plays while they're quasi banged up. First SEC action for some of these guys. I think now, um, you know, getting in the flow of the game, understanding what it feels like, you know, some of those jitters, stuff like that has been knocked off in the atmosphere that Bryant didn't Bryant-Denny Stadium brings. Hopefully now that we're a little more comfortable at home with LSU, hopefully this is not an issue and some of these guys can come back healthy like Zachary Franklin and, um, you know, really make, instantly make an impact. But, um, you know, it's kind of now or never for some of these guys when you're approaching the midway point during the season, you really need everybody to get back on track and get back healthy. Yeah, and LSU has a really good front seven. Okay, do not hear what I'm saying and think that LSU has a bad front seven or an average front seven. Do, do not think that. But you're going to see Ole Miss against LSU run multiple schemes in the running game. I think you're going to see some zone scheme, which is the normal thing that they do on RPOs. You're going to see them run a little gap scheme stuff like um, power and things like that. And you're also going to see them run duo which is basically you double-team both of the inside guys, and then you just like, hey, Quinshawn has the linebacker to beat. He has a chance to bust it. I think you will see that as well. That, with the short game, this offense has a chance to look dynamic and new um, against LSU and something that we haven't entirely seen. I, I do think Ole Miss fans need to look at that because, listen, if I'm saying this stuff, Lane Kiffin knows this stuff. I'm not saying anything that is special. That Lane understands what is going on. Charlie Weiss understands what is going on. I do think this offense is about to expand. And yeah, I think and that's well, a good thing. And I think Judkins comes to life, too. He's mm -hmm. too good not to at some point in the season. Sure, he's been had a rocky start. Um, but at some point, you're – you know, your best player on the team has got to step up and make plays. And I, I just feel like the LSU weekend's his coming out party. Yeah, yeah I, I do. And uniform-wise, selfishly, I want Navy lids, I want red jerseys, and I want gray pants. That, that's it. what I want for this game. Love it. Mm -hmm. And you have the situation with the stripe out, do all the fun stuff there. That's coming next week. Although, by the way, when you look at what Arkansas has, they have Texas A&M this weekend. They're, they're lost in that game away from losing three in a row. That's a big There's, game. Yeah. And Texas A&M is favored in that game. And Texas A&M is probably the better team in that game. 
And then they're going to come to Oxford for the stripe out. And you can't assume a team that has lost three in a row is just going to rise up and win that game. Now, Arkansas has the talent to win that game, but you're going to hear all the time about how everything could get sideways. If nothing else, that shapes up to be a get-right game for Ole Miss, even if the LSU game goes poorly. 100% agree. Yep. And look, you can't you can't phrase it like that if the LSU game goes poorly. You meant to say when but we win has, the LSU th- game. This is a this is a coin flip game. And I I'm agree. going to I'm going to do the keys today to what to watch for tomorrow. I'm going to have the crossover on Thursday, and I'm going to tell you why Ole Miss is going to win this game on Friday. Which yep. by look, the way the when Vegas people, has the line, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the fact that people do not understand what the Why Ole Miss Wins episode is titled that and what I'm actually doing and they think it's like trash talk is hilarious to me. But, hey, I appreciate the views and the comments. <laughs> uh, I was halfway out saying, no, this is a coin flip game. When mm-hmm. Vegas has the line at one, one and a half, um, it's about as about as close as it can get. And, yeah, I've, I've got faith, but um, it will be a dog fight for sure. Yeah, and I think um, we are getting close to the point where Suntarian Perkins needs to be starting every game and playing 60 snaps. Hot take, he may already be there. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 he played absolutely phenomenally against Alabama. And, uh, and I've told people for six months, the kid has never stepped on the field that he wasn't the best player on it. And I think that has still happened with Alabama. You've played Man, Alabama, that- and he might have been the best player on the field. Man, I just sat there and watched him just crush Milrow on that deep ball to hail. And I'll give Milrow credit. Yeah, that was a heck of a throw. throw. Uh, Yeah, but he just got leveled. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, Sonny P was a a second too late on that one for something special. But, um, yeah, anyway, we know the the ending of that. But, anyway, yep, I'm with you. Uh, Need to get him as much playing time as we can. Yeah. And him and Ladarius Tennyson, they uh, imagine they're going to spy Jaden Daniels in a similar way. I don't care what Kiffin said today. Um, I think that Perkins has done enough and made enough plays to where he's going to be on the field. Look, and I thought our spy, I thought our spy was really effective against Bama. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we did what we were intending to do with the spy. Why can why would that not work again with uh, with LSU? Uh, So I hope we we go in with that kind of. uh, with a with a spy scheme, honestly, something to for people to look at. Um, Jaden Daniels kind of throws the ball outside the numbers. It's another area where they don't use the middle of the field that much. Um, so the weakness of Ole Miss's defense, in my opinion, is the um, safety position. They just aren't quite where they are. If you that when explosive plays happen, it seems to happen from the safety position. Um, I, I think they're going to try and do Malik Neighbors on the outside, and I trust Samari Walton. I trust DeAndre Prince out there, even against somebody like Malik Neighbors, who is just an absolutely NFL wide receiver. That's a guy that's going to get paid millions of dollars. Uh, but I trust him better than him being matched up on Ishim Young. It's a, it's a tough task. Look, I was at the Mississippi State game. I watched Neighbors just torch State. Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to us having some sort of package where DeAndre Prince just trails neighbors the entire game and do our one-on-one best versus best, see what happens. But yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a big, big part of the game. I think. 
low-key game, something to watch for in this game is everybody needs to watch and see if Deshaun Gaddy is in the third cornerback position in case they decide to move Malik neighbors around because you have Prince, you have Walton. If you have Gaddy, I think you have three really good coverage players that can kind of work for you and force force Jaden Daniels to scramble to his left. Do not let him go right. So you're going to see Son- Sonny P line up on the left-hand side, I do believe. I hope so, man. I think – look, I think that's kind of the keys to success. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't – almost a similar story to Bama. I don't think we're out-talented, for lack of a better term. Uh, no. But it's just X's and O's at that point. Yeah, and it is – Brian Kelly's a heck of a football coach, okay? He is. Everybody likes to make fun of him for family and the accent, the whole nine yards. Brian Kelly – is a heck of a football coach. And if Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss have another bad game, because they, they had a bad day at the office, it happens. You're not going to have good games. Every single coach, Nick Saban, has a worst game in his coaching career. It, it happens. There, there's something that he looks back on and regrets. If Lane Kiffin can get that cleaned up, and I think he will. It's, it's a home game. It's Whenever there's a bounce-back game, the offense generally plays well. I think all of this stuff is going to happen. I think there's going to be some soul-searching whenever they build the sheet. Instead of having 40 plays on the play sheet, you might have 50 plays this week. And so they figure out different schemes going on. I I, I think Ole Miss is going to be okay. And And honestly, I predicted Ole Miss to win this game back in July. I still think Ole Miss is going to win this game. It's a crucial game. I mean, you hate to put the weight of, uh, you know, the trajectory of the season on one game, but you kind of feel that way. Yeah. You just have to deal with that front seven, and the way you deal with them is through the short passes and things we talked about. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Pratt, thank you so much for stopping by, and hopefully we'll be talking to you next week, getting ready for Arkansas after an LSU win, or Ole Miss beating LSU, I should say. Sounds great, my man. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. See ya.